Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Well, hey there. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Tuesday. We are two days out from opening day, July 21st. Frank Stanfield here with Scott White, Chris Towers, and Adam Azer. Look, today, it doesn't matter what today is. It doesn't matter that we're two days out from opening day. Today will forever be known as Corbin Burns Day. Say it with me, Chris. Corbin Burns starting the second game of the season for the Milwaukee Brewers. Hype sauce. Let's go. I'm very, very excited for Curb, Curb and Borns, uh, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, he's got wicked stuff, huge swing and miss potential. Yes, he had an ERA just south of nine last season, which is really bad. But he was the Brewers minor league pitcher of the year in, I believe, 2018. He mm-hmm. came up and pitched really well in a short role in that season. He has a slider that he can throw into the mid-90s. I said the mid-90s with the slider. And he put work in this offseason to uh, create more lateral movement on his fastball because he is one of these guys who throws really hard, has a high spin rate, but has a really inefficient fastball. It spins uh, in a way that doesn't create a lot of rise or a lot of sink or a lot of run. And you want one of those things. Ideally, if you're throwing a fastball, you don't want it to just be straight because Major League B- Baseball hitters can hit straight 97 mile per hour fastballs. He put work in this offseason to uh, tweak the fastball to generate less of a straightforward path, uh, tweak to slider as well to throw it a little harder. Sky's a little the harder. Limit. Sky's the limit for Corbin. Yeah, his slider yeah, last year averaged like 88 miles an hour. I want you to get hyped though, Chris. This is. Big exciting news. Oh, yeah, the sky feels like deja vu, guys. Sky's the limit. The sky is the limit for Corbin Burns. He has here is Corbin Burns' limit. Here is the sky. It is the same. It is. I'm putting him in. I'm putting him in that same group with like the Mitch Keller, and uh, probably a little behind Matthew Boyd, who I have more confidence in. But Josh James, those those, you know, yeah. Especially because Corbin Burns is a spark. I'm, I'm really sad I could not get him uh, in the draft that we did last night, but very high for I the Corbin Burns experience. Because yes. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like this is a replay of last... I would think that I was listening to a 2019 episode right now if Frank were not, because this was all the hype going into last year. He made four starts to begin the season, and by the end of that, he had a 1070 ERA. Let's so <laughs> he's been a great reliever. Listen. He was a terrible starter. Let's let's pump the brakes on the Very hype briefly. Sauce. But I, right, I think Adam, the year he was the Brewers minor league pitcher of the year was actually 2017. He had a 167 ERA in the minors yeah. that year, and he had a 202 ERA the year before that. Uh, so he's a guy who just breezed through the minors. And like, if you look at his the peripherals last year, other than him giving up. <laughs> a crap load of home runs. They look really good. He was they a reliever really... all year. He f- made four yeah. starts. I, look, I'm listen, trying to remember. Listen. Adam, were you also crapping on Mitch Keller recently? Yeah. Yep. But so no, I'm just saying. I'll like... just do the same bit I did last time. There is just absolutely no way that a young pitcher who throws nearly 60 innings with an ERA close to nine could ever turn into a multi-time all-star. Wait, what? No, I, I'm just I'm just saying that uh, I'm just Jose saying. Jose Barrios like, had an, an I, I know. I get it's a good point you made about Barrios. I, I get it. I get it. It's a great point you made. Severino saying, too. We're doing the same thing that we did last year with Corbin Burns. It's only eighteen percent on, by the way. You should definitely take a shot. 
Oh, but well, that's all we're saying. Yeah, yeah. You, you get excited about the talent. You're getting too excited. That's you all. Get excited. No, no. All right. You know, nobody's like, saying he's automatically he's won ace. your championship if you got Corbin Burns. But like, the talent has an opportunity, and when the talent has an opportunity, you, you have to get excited about that because that's your lottery ticket, man. And that's do you think he's, do you think he sticks in the rotation? Yes. I, I think so. If he play, if he performs, I mean, that, obviously, that's, if he performs. Yeah, I mean, the rotation is not a great one, so yeah, I don't think he has right. to do much in order to stay in the rotation. Uh, and thank you, Adam, for stealing my host thunder because one of the questions I was going to ask was, oh. can you guess his ownership percentage? <laughs> well, it's eighteen percent. So go out and add Corbin Burns if you can right now. Uh, again, look, some of the underlying numbers: he had a four fourteen BABIP last year, a fifty seven percent strand rate. Uh, league average for those is two ninety six and seventy two percent. So. Stop me and if I, you've heard this before. It's very similar to Mitch Keller, who we talk about all the time. I do want to note, it wasn't just bad luck. You know, he got hit really, really hard. Like, that. it was not just like, oh, he had a 400 bat. Like, no, he, Corbin Burns got hit really hard. But so did Luis Severino when he first made his debut. So did Jose Bruce. Like, these, this stuff happens, and guys get better. And with Corbin Burns specifically, the talent level – like he has some of the best stuff in baseball. That aces metric uh, that we ran last year and this year, Aaron Saceda put together. Corbin Burns was the number one pitcher by this metric. He had the best stuff in baseball. And so when you get the opportunity to get a guy in the mid rounds who has that going for him, like take the gamble. Because it wouldn't surprise me if he was a top 20 pitcher this year. Chris, you mentioned where you think he should be drafted now, and I moved him up to what would be SP51. So right behind Mitch Keller, right in that same range. Um, All in on Corbin Burns. Today on the show, we are going to talk about trendy players, players who are trending up and down. We have most added and most dropped. We had some waivers run recently um, and over the weekend, so we'll see what's happening there. And we're going to play some of your song submissions that uh, you sent in to be in our listener leagues because you guys put in a lot of hard work, and a lot of them were amazing. I do have one quick question, a fantasy philosophy question regarding Corbin Burns. So in my home league, we don't allow Sparps. However, players like Carlos Martinez, Jesus Lazardo, and Corbin Burns only have relief pitcher eligibility. So how many starts should it take for a player this season to earn starting pitcher eligibility? Should it be one start? Should it be two starts? Normally, they should it's have starting five. That you should be allowed to use them as starter from day one. If you're not allowed to use them as a SPARP, you should be allowed. Then, yeah. then the commissioner should grant them starting eligibility. Right. That's you, you can, that's inherently unfair. Right to yeah. have a player you can't like literally can't cannot put play anywhere. Yeah, that and if you're go, if you're going to set it up like that, that relief pitcher eligibility is just ignored for uh, a pitcher. Then you the pitcher should be allowed to use to be used in whatever role he's actually filling at the time. Uh, you know, if you're talking about a position eligibility thing in, in leagues where you can use them as a SPARP, I would, the standard is usually five. I would make it two or three this year. Well, thanks, guys. I'm going to send that to my commissioner because I did draft Corbin Burns with my last round pick last night. So I'm pretty excited about that. We have some news and notes, some big news to go over. First and foremost, this came out just earlier today. Uh, the Dodgers have optioned second baseman Gavin Lux to their alternate training site which is pretty big news, obviously. A lot of people have him as the front runner potentially, for the National League Rookie of the Year. And there was there is a lot to be excited about long-term, but he will not start the season with the Dodgers. Uh, Scott, what is your biggest takeaway from this? Do you have any interest in someone like Chris Taylor or Kike Hernandez? Not in standard size leagues. I think, you know, they, there's some talent there, I think, especially with Taylor. But, they have a lot of guys they have to leapfrog in my second base rankings before I'm looking at them. Uh, Gavin Lux, you know, I, I, somebody asked me on Twitter if this was a service time thing, and, and I, maybe that comes into play, but it, it seems like they genuinely were sour on the way he performed at camp. He had a, some misplays at second base. He arrived out of shape. Uh, I think he has to. Uh, I think he has to go down and work hard and earn his way back. Uh, Adam and Chris, any interest in um, Chris Taylor or Kike Hernandez? No, no, only in especially since they might platoon. Only in leagues where like you have to own anyone, anyone who's relevant. In which yeah. case, Taylor. Yeah, and your fifteen-team leagues and your twelve-team leagues with deep benches, maybe. But yeah, for 
like it'll be Gavin Lux eventually. Last night we saw a report from Ann Rogers who covers the Cardinals for MLB.com. She tweeted that Carlos Martinez is in the Cardinals rotation and that Kwang Hyun Kim, whom they signed from Korea in the offseason, is likely to close for the team. So this was really random, came out of nowhere. We thought it was going to be Ryan Helsley. There were reports that Giovanni Gallegos was back in camp or, or you know, getting back to returning to camp. Um, and then we get this report about uh, Kyung Hun Kim. Um, Scott, we play in a league together, and last night he went for $23 in fab out of a $100 oh, fab budget. I, you know what? I could do you one better. Oh, what do you got? Him? I believe Chris spent $50 on Kim last night. Is that right? Ooh. $50. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Well, he's got to chime in first then, I think. Wow. Yeah. Chris, all right. You're pretty uh, excited about yeah, Kim. Yeah, look, he's, he was a really productive pitcher. Uh, but I believe... Yeah, Korean. He was pitching in the Korean yeah. League. Um, has good control, but also has good stuff. He's not necessarily just a soft tosser. And he was someone who I remember being mentioned as a possibility uh, for the closer role back in spring. Uh, he's a left-handed pitcher. Uh, main best pitch is his slider. Uh, can vary the velocity on it, so you can throw it harder, softer. Has a, a curveball. Um, look. It's mostly just that this is a this is a good team. There should be plenty of save opportunities. The guy who gets the, to be the Cardinals closer generally puts up lots of saves. We saw that with Carlos Martinez last season, even in a partial season, ended up with, what, 23, 24 saves. Uh, so, yeah, it's just – it seems like a good opportunity to get a potential long-term closer. Like, this is – if he sticks in the role, he could be the closer all season. You know, it might be a situation yeah. where Giovanni Gallegos comes in and takes it, but right. generally speaking, teams are a little hesitant to pull pitchers who are succeeding in a role in the ninth inning out of it, yeah. unless it's for a guy who's proven and Giovanni Gallegos isn't that guy. And they don't Kim have is, that guy. Yeah, I, Kim is obviously unproven. He's untested in this role in, in Korea, too. He was a starting pitcher over there and doesn't mm-hmm. really have any – experience doing this so it's and uh nando defino actually dug up the the quote from from mike shield uh that you know the the way he worded it he kind of left it open the idea that they could also use others in the ninth inning uh gallegos just reported within the last couple days so he's not it's understandable he's not ready to close yet i don't know how quickly they would transition to him. Look, I made some big bids on Kim myself because I have a couple Roto teams where I basically didn't invest much of anything in saves. And anytime somebody emerges a new source there, I'm going to have to put in a big bid for him. I put in a big bid for Ryan Helsley, the first run of waivers over the weekend. Thankfully I didn't win either of those. (laughs) I didn't win Kim either because people like Chris bidding $50. Uh, But I, I, you know, I'm not going to move him up into my top 20 closers even he's going to be you know probably around the range of like an Archie Bradley Sean Doolittle Mark Melance in that group and that's fair I, I would just point out one general philosophical thing about fab this year it's a shorter season mm-hmm. you're not going to need to hold on to your fab for as long so I think aggressive early season bids uh, should be the norm and you should if, it, if it's a, a need you know I had Jose Leclerc and Brad Hand on that team. I don't necessarily uh, love the potential for them to, to rack up a ton of saves. And so, you know, I, he's basically the last guy out there. uh, Kim was so that, that was why I had to be aggressive for it. Yeah. Frank, I I think uh, I've seen, I don't want to just use my one fab league and what some stuff I saw on Twitter to make generalizations about everybody. I feel like people are going a little bit too heavy with fab already because I just think that, you know, throughout this season, throughout this, the two months of the season, yeah, I get the I get the idea you want to be a little bit more aggressive now. But uh, you know, those guys that go for one or two dollars typically in a 162 game season, they might go for five or six. So you're going to need that fab at some point, I think. And and you know, you might have. I I think in terms of fab, in terms of roto, if you're in a roto fab league, you, I know that a lot of people, a lot of the managers are just going to drop out at some point. They're just going to stop caring. Um, I don't think I don't know if that's going to happen this year. 
Yeah. So I think I you had gotta, the same thought too. Yeah, you know, you 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 can't just rely on dollar bids at the end of the year like I always do in that roto mm. league that I'm talking about. I'm, you know, I fifty was a lot. I'm not gonna criticize. I understand that this might be your your best chance to get a closer and to really move up in the saves categories. But I just think in general, like a Yoana Cespedes got bid on. You know, I put in modest bids for them, eight dollars, ten dollars. I didn't get anybody, which is a little frustrating. But sometimes you have to take a step back, you have to take a deep breath, and realize. There will be other players and, you know, you don't want to go too crazy right now. And I just want to throw cold water all over this Kim situation because (laughs) for me, look, this guy, I don't even think he was that great in Korea. I mean, a 3-2-7 ERA in Korea, that's fine. But a 1-3-3 whip below 8Ks per nine, he's a lefty on top of that. 276 starts, just 22 relief appearances, no save opportunities in his career in Korea as well. So it would not surprise me if Gallegos works his way in here, if Helsley works his way. I would rather, I would put Kim closer to the the Orioles, the Mariners, Wade Davis. I would put him like all the way towards the back end of relievers, in my opinion. Um, I would just point out one thing that uh, Kim did have Tommy John surgery in 2017 and changed his mechanics, started throwing from a lower arm slot. And his results have been much better since he came back from that. The whip is you know, more like in the one one five one one or one two range. Um, control has been better, and you know when you talk about like, yeah, Ryan Helsley could uh, come and take it. Giovanni Gallegos could take it, but that's going to depend. One, like I'm not sure Ryan Helsley's good, and Gallegos is as much as I like him, and I like him just as much as anyone else. Uh, he is one of those one-year breakout pitch relievers. You know, he had never pitched at this kind of level before. And so it might not be for real. He might get figured out. And so, you know, there's no guarantee Kim is a star. But in that same league, Zach Britton went for $41. And we know Zach oh, Britton is not the that's closer. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right, that's exactly what I'm is, talking about. But this that, is the... Your, your bid was better. Your, your Adam, bid made a lot more Adam, sense. It doesn't matter if everyone's being irrational. If everyone's being irrational, the rational move, if you want to get a player, is you're going to have no, to overbid. I don't agree. I, I then think you're not going to get players. That's, that's fine. True. Chris I, is right. The it's, season hasn't started yet, Chris. Guess what? The next fine, time, Adam. the next time when Aroldis Chabon comes off the IL in a week and the guy who just bid $42 on Zach Britton needs a closer, he's going to have a much harder time getting a closer next time because he's, 42 bucks in the hole right, for somebody right. that he barely used. That was a really bad bid. And right. I'm not going to, uh, Chris, I am not going to overreact because everybody else is because there's nobody out there right now. And I, this is going to sound, I'll say something completely ironic after this, but there's nobody out there right now that I think I absolutely have to have in this league that is so good that I, that is worth half my budget. And if there is one guy, might be Corbin Burns. <laughs> I, I recognize say, the upside with Corbin. Guys, Burns. we got to move on. We got to move on. And I, and I want to ask you because it's relevant here about what we're talking about. Astros manager Dusty Baker said Monday that Ryan Presley will probably close games for the Houston Astros if Roberto Osuna, uh, which is not injury related, uh, is not ready to start the season. Which it doesn't sound like Osuna is going to be ready to start the season. Presley was phenomenal last year. A two three two ERA, zero point nine zero WHIP, eleven point nine Ks per nine. Um, Scott, if we're hearing about guys like Zach Britton going for $41, I mean, do we need to be that aggressive on Presley as well? I don't think that Chapman's going to miss that much time. Ozuna or Chapman? Well, I mean, I'm just kind of like comparing situations. Like, I don't think Chapman's going to miss too much time. I don't think Ozuna's going to miss much time. So if people Uh are being aggressive on Britton, does that mean we should be aggressive on Presley? I'd be more interested in Britain, actually. I, I don't I don't really understand what's going on with Ozuna. I, I don't think he was late reporting or, you know, has been away from the team. I, it just seems like he's taking a long time to get ready for the season. That's I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I just haven't I just haven't really seen anything to indicate why he's behind schedule. Um, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But, you know, if he's throwing and stuff, it, it shouldn't take much longer, I would think, for him to be ready. And Dusty Baker's been kind of like, I don't know if he'll be ready for the season. Like, he, he hasn't been even that clear about whether or not he'll have Osuna ready from the start. But if he doesn't, I don't think it'll be long. And, uh, you know, Chapman obviously having yet to uh, have his two negative tests after testing positive, we have no idea how long that's going to take. 
Uh, yeah, let me just weigh in on this here. I'm reading something right now from sportsradio610.com, which appears to be a Texas or Houston uh, station. So Ozuna was in Mexico during the pandemic and the restrictions made it harder for him to get working. So I think he's just behind there. I drafted Ozuna last night. He was the sixth true closer off the board. There were at least four Sparps. So he was, I think, the 11th relief pitcher off the board. Um, I thought I loved it. Now, I didn't. Dra- I was thinking about drafting Presley, but here's what I would say to anyone who's in a league that's doing a long week, the first four days plus the next seven, an 11-day scoring period for week one. Um, I think that drafting Presley and starting him would be really foolish because Ozuna could be back in the middle of that long scoring period. And that would be the worst possible scenario where you didn't start either of them. So Presley went undrafted. Look, I think if, if Ozuna were out for an extended period of time, Presley could be the number one relief pitcher in baseball. And he needs to be owned in every Roto league, even if he's not getting saves, I think, or most Roto leagues. But I decided to draft Ozuna. I'm just going to put him on my IL for the first scoring period. I expect to have him back at the beginning of the second scoring period, which is, I guess, the third week of the season. The last couple of news items I want to hit. Willie Calhoun took five more at-bats in a simulated game on Monday, so that's back-to-back days where he's taken five at-bats uh, and is likely to avoid the injured list to start the season. T.R. Sullivan of MLB.com reports the Yankees place right-hand pitcher uh, Masahiro Tanaka on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to July 19th with a concussion. He should be ready to go the second time through the order. Um, through the rotation for the Yankees, and then Jacob DeGrom through a side session yesterday or earlier today, recently, without incident. Um, that was today, actually, at City Field. So he is good to go, and he will pitch on opening day for the Mets against the Atlanta Braves. And with that, we will play the first song that I have carved out here for from the song submissions you sent in for the listener leagues. Uh, we'll play it right now. See what you think. <laughs> Sing it, Stevie. I need some steals and I need them now. There's just loads of power to go around. There's just too much demand, not enough supply. Till a base stealer comes falling down. Oh, how much do I pay for a little speed? Trey could get me 50 bags or only three. Should I draft Mondesi with the injury risk? Will he hit his ceiling or end up slipping a disc? What, uh, what do I do? And that came from Adam Bushman. Good. Great job, man. I mean, I'm telling you, Excellent. some of these are awesome. Excellent. I think, I think Chris, that's played on a 12-string, if I'm not mistaken. That's why it didn't, uh, it didn't sound quite as full as the, the good old Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I mean, you know, the only, the only note I have is, um, you know, it's fine to play it on a six-string acoustic. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The two most well-known versions of Landslide fingers feature some of the most distinctive singers in the history of rock and roll music, obviously Stevie Nicks, uh, who, I mean, love Fleetwood Mick, love Stevie Nicks. She's a, a goddess, uh, but, you know, distinctive voice. Yeah. And then, obviously, the uh, Smashing Pumpkins version. Dude, the, listen to me when I say this. The single, I'm not joking. The single worst cover in music history. Okay, no. Is Smashing Pumpkins. No. Oh. Find me one worse. There yeah, are I, there are many. There are you, a lot your of bad assignment ones out there. Tomorrow, five at one song. I mean one cover worse than that. Limp Biscuit's cover of Behind Blue Eyes is so much worse. Ooh, that sounds bad. I never heard that. That sounds bad. <laughs> it is so oh, much. Oh, Adam, the music's now. Oh, it doesn't sound as full with the 12 well, string I, and the 6 I don't string. like Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins. And I do love that song, Landslide. Uh, he it, it butchers Landslide. How do like, you... Oh no, not the... not, oh, not okay, Adam. Okay. I'm Smashing Pumpkins. How do you love 90s alternative and you don't like Smashing Pumpkins, Adam? It's a great question. It's I think it's his voice. It just doesn't do it for me, you know? You, guys, you, weren't, a, you weren't a Zwan guy? What's that? Shouts to all my Zwan heads out here. <laughs> all right. 
Let's get back to fantasy baseball. <laughs> uh, look at the most added list right now in uh, on CBSSports.com. And at the top, one Dodger and one former Dodger, Ross Stripling, moved from 24% to 46%. Rich Hill from 30 to 50%. Uh, Adam, last night you took Ross Stripling, pick 135 overall. Mind you, this was a head-to-head points league where the pitchers went off the board very quickly and very aggressively. Rich Hill in that same dra- draft went 91st overall. So we're talking about two pitchers that went inside the top 135 picks that are both owned in 50% or less than that leagues on CBSSports.com. Yeah. Uh, Scott, the ownership percentage for both of these players should be higher. The thing is, like <laughs> among the major sites... Uh, CBS ownerships tend to be higher than like ESPN, than Yahoo. And the fact they're still 50% or lower, Rich Hill especially. I mean, how long have we been hyping Rich Hill at this point? I, I You know, I do wonder like how many leagues just got abandoned that drafted early. Is that is that like our ownership percentage is going to be kind of lagging all year? I wonder about that. But nonetheless, Rich Hill must own, must start. Uh, I think he's probably going to be in contention for the Cy Young Award this season, considering he's probably going to hold up for 60 games. That's the hope anyway. Yeah, I mean, last night for the first time ever, Rich Hill, that I've seen at least, went ahead of Jesus Lazardo. And at this point, that should 100% happen in every league. And I I contributed to Rich Hill, the, the one league I'm in where he was available on waiver. Actually, there was two. There was two. I put in very big bids. In both, I put in more than fifty percent of my budget, Adam. I would do that. For I, was, Rick. I would yeah. do that. I would yeah, have say. to have. Uh, but the the most notable one I mentioned it yesterday. The TGFBI, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. We draft. We started drafting. I think in late February. I had Noah Syndergaard on my roster. I put in two thirds of my budget, six hundred sixty seven dollars for Rich Hill. Got him. It might be an upgrade. It might be an upgrade over what I was expecting from Noah Syndergaard, provided Rich Hill can hold up for 12 starts. Yeah, and thanks for clarifying, because I'm sure in a lot of leagues, there are players that are worthy of of 50% of your budget. The league I was referring to is pretty deep and and not much on the waiver wire, especially after the first couple of nights of bidding. But by the way, Stripling stripling to me would be like a 30% of the budget kind of guy. He's up there too. I. The only league where he was available, Rich Hill was also available. And so I only got Hill. But, you know, Stripling, uh, Stripling, uh, I mean, he could, he, he made the All Star team in 2018. The last time, the first half of 2018, we saw him used as a regular, typical starter. And that's, it sounds like that's how the Dodgers are going to use him this year. They need Dustin May to piggyback with Walker Bueller while he's getting stretched out. They actually sent Tony Gonsolin down to minor league camp. So he's not even in the picture. Stripling is is probably going to to be able to go deep into games, and that just looking at his ratios the past couple of years, that could make him a must start pitcher as well. Ross Stripling in his career as a starter, a three seven one ERA, a one two zero WHIP, not phenomenal numbers, but very very serviceable. Uh, and then Rich Hill, I remember we did a week where we did like roto category contributors, and it was basically for every pitching category outside <laughs> of saves. Rich Hill was one of our sleepers. So uh, just a reminder, he should be owned in more than 50% of leagues. Uh, A pair of New Yorkers, Zach Britton, went from 17 to 34%. Uenis Cespedes went from 20 to 35%. Uh, Adam, we spoke about Britton already. Do you think that he should be a must-own player in Aroldis Chapman's absence? Would you handcuff him if you were an Aroldis Chapman owner? I did in that 15-team mock draft that we had. Uh, I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, I do think Britain's going to get pretty much every save chance, um, you know, assuming he doesn't have, like, a workload issue. I think he's the closer, put it that way. I'd rather, if you don't mind, rather talk about another New Yorker on here, Aaron Hicks, 27% owned. Two years ago, he was 10th in fantasy points per game uh, among outfielders. He was tied with Aaron Judge. Last year, he had a really bad season. But Aaron Hicks, 2018, he played 137 games. He had 90 walks to 111 strikeouts. He batted 240. He batted 248. But because his plate discipline is so good, he was the tied for 10th in fantasy points per game. Um, my bold prediction, I think one of my bold predictions last year was that he'd end up being a top 10 outfielder in points leagues. Uh, the other night, he had fifth in between Stanton and Sanchez. And I think he's going to play every day. Nobody plays every, every day at the start of the season, but I think he's basically the everyday center fielder for the Yankees. 
um, as, unless he just stinks like he did last year. The best version of Aaron Hicks is a must-own, must-start player, particularly in points leagues. He is 27% owned. I am still pissed that I did not get him last night. I figured nobody else would want him. Put him on your radar. Put him on your team if you have a spot. Yeah, the thing that helps him is he can play center field. And among the players on the Yankees roster, despite the fact that they have a ton of outfielders, you know, really just him, Brett Gardner, and Mike Talkman can play center field. And so, you know, I was thinking like, well, is Aaron Hill really going to, Aaron Hicks really going to play every day? And it's not going to be every day. Brett Gardner will, will fill in. Mike Talkman will get a couple of starts, but you know, he's, he's definitely clear of the biggest log jams uh, there. Like it wouldn't surprise me if Clint Frazier was a better hitter than Aaron Hicks this year, but I would be really surprised if Clint Frazier got more plate appearances than Aaron Hicks. And again, to bat fifth in the Yankees lineup is a pretty favorable spot to be in for fantasy baseball purposes. So uh, right behind Stanton and right ahead of Gary Sanchez, I don't think he deserves to bat fifth, but I think Boone just wants a switch hitter in the middle of the lineup to kind of break up all the righties. So as a result, looks like Aaron Hicks is going to bat fifth, at least for now, to start the season for the New York Yankees. A quartet of starting pitchers here in the most added group. Alex Wood went from 56 to 69%. Yanni Chirinos, 30 to 42%. Josh James, 47 to 58%. And Nathan Avaldi, who has been named the opening day starter for the Boston Red Sox, 33 to 44%. <laughs> I mean, look, I've got Nathan Avaldi on a lot of my teams. He's he's kind of a Me too. I like points him. league. He's one of the Sparps who I think can be a, a significant difference maker this year. Uh, but yeah, opening day. I, I don't understand why Yanni Chirinos is jumping. Yeah. Like, he's not a hundred percent sure to be ready for the start of the season. I think the assumption is, but like he worked out for the first time like three or four days ago after mm-hmm. testing positive for COVID. And so what is like, his I, role? What's his role? He's going to start. Yeah. I, it might be a situation where he's only going three innings the first time through, especially yeah. for the race. But yeah, he's I mean, not he, like coming in in the second inning and pitching till the sixth or seventh. Oh, I mean, no, like, no. He, uh, that wasn't the role he was in for most of last season. You know, after the start of the season, he really was just a normal starter. Because um, okay, it says he, he made 26. Okay. He made 26 appearances and 18 of them were starts last yeah. year. Scott, and anyone good? Scott, anyone stand out to you from this group of four? Uh, Josh James. Should Josh James be more than 58% owned? I mean, I I think so. All of these ownership percentages still seem low to me. I mean, the only the only one I question why are people picking him up? Like Chris was saying, is Chirinos. Uh, but all of them still seem low to me. Like Cespit is at thirty five percent. I I would think that would be more like fifty to sixty. And you know, obviously, I'm very excited about Alex Wood, Josh James. I've been hyping them for months at this point. Rich Hill and is at the front of the list. Like we talked about stripling is probably second. And then you got wood and James there. Like uh, all of those are musts for me. And on my pitching staff, they, they, they have the kind of upside where you might put them in your lineup and never take them out again. And that's what you need at starting pitcher. Uh, So those are, those are the four, especially that I'd be gravitating toward if they were available. All right. Here's a second song that I'm going to play from the submissions that we received in order to be in our podcast league. I love my team and only gotta beat seven other guys or gals. How can I lose if I get Korea in round number nine? Sing it with me, Chris. In the shallow, shallow. In the shallow, shallow, <laughs> In the shallow, shallows, I'm playing in the shallow league. Excellent. Another fantastic submission. That one was from Jason Lawrence. Thanks again for sending that in. Quickly promote a few things. If you can be so kind as to leave us a five-star Apple podcast rating and review, we would Appreciate that very much. Uh, And in addition to watching us on our Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel, we now have a legitimate um, 
link. It's just youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. So Ooh. if you have trouble finding us, now you can find us a lot easier at that link. Uh, make sure to watch CBS Sports HQ. Our crew will basically be taking over Thursday and Friday night this week for opening day, opening night, and then, of course, Friday when all of the teams are in action. So make sure to watch CBS Sports HQ. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to look at the most dropped players and then talk about some of the other players who are trending up and down. We'll do that here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, the most dropped players on CBSSports.com. Uh, I guess none of these players are really all that surprising. These are names. I wanted to avoid names that have opted out or have some kind of long-term injury. Um, Jose Quintana, It's we don't know how long it's going to be. He'll probably miss the first couple of weeks of the season. Went from 79 to 63%. Jose Urquidy, from 84 to 73%. Scott, we have told people that they should be playing with more IL spots this year than ever before. Jose Urquidy was a very popular sleeper slash breakout candidate. Shouldn't people just be stashing Urquidy on their IL? I mean, they should just have IL spots and he should be on one of them, or at least I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I was just confirming that he was placed on the IL. It looks like he was. We have... We have given been given no indication what's going on with him or Jordan Alvarez. We know they're not with the team. Uh, one of the Astros beat writers yesterday tweeted out, it's been 17 days since the Astros have offered an update on Urquidy or Alvarez. Obviously, people aren't dropping Alvarez. Urquidy, you know, much lower in to begin with, and being a starting pitcher, pitcher we're not sure. Like I, I sincerely doubt he'll just show up and be ready to start. Even even the as stretched out as pitchers were arriving to camp, they still needed a few starts to get ready for the season. So uh, I'm not counting on much for Rikidi this year, but I do like the upside. I certainly like the supporting cast. If he does come back sooner than later, there's still a chance for him to make an impact. So if you have a free IL spot, of course, you should put him there rather than just dropping him. A few other names here. Aristides Aquino, 56, went from 56% to 46%. Giovanni Gallego, 78 to 70%. Chris, uh, you and Scott have been, you know, two of the biggest advocates of Gallegos in the offseason. If you play in a 12-team Roto League, would you be dropping Gallegos right now? Uh, that's It's a really hard question to answer. If I didn't have an IL spot to put him in, I'd certainly have to consider it given that, you know, we don't know what, when he's going to be available, you know, it might be opening day, but it's not a guarantee. Uh, and we know he's not going to open the season as the closer. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, one thing that we have to keep in mind with a lot of these guys is, you know, guys who tested positive guys who, you know, had symptoms, especially like they could be back by opening day. It doesn't mean they're going to be right by opening day. Like this is such a weird situation that we're in that there could be a lot of situations where guys are technically healthy, but aren't 
themselves yet. And so, you know, I think when you're talking about someone like Gallegos who missed most of camp, um, you know, there is at least a chance that he gets off to a bad start. Well, he wasn't unhealthy though. He was, it was a contact. He was, he was in Mexico. He was stuck in Mexico. That's right. Two final names I wanted to mention. Joey Lucchese went from 71 to 63%. Cesar Hernandez, I don't understand this one. You heard Heath on the show yesterday, said he loves Cesar Hernandez, one of his favorite second basemen to target. Went from 63% to 56%. Adam, how would you feel if um, you were named the leadoff man of the Cleveland Indians and everyone started dropping you in fantasy baseball? (laughs) It's pretty interesting, I suppose. (laughs) I think what happened was, and I was talking to a few um, industry insiders about this. It seems like all the fantasy baseball players out there were looking at Cesar Hernandez and they realized that he's not good. So, uh, <laughs> nah, no, it is, uh, it is good to bad lead off for the Cleveland Indians. That would be a saving grace for him. He's a pretty low upside play. I mean, he doesn't have any power. Um, so he's, you know, he, he would have to be like, to me, he's an IL replacement. He's not a top 12 second baseman. Hate, I'm hate, just hate, confused hate, hate. that Joey Lucchese is 63% rostered. I don't right. understand why that would, like, wh- why is it that high? Joey Lucchese is 63% owned and Rich Hill's 50%. Yeah, and part, yeah, change. like that, part, partially that's, you know, people drafted early. Yeah, I think Scott's are, onto something. I think, you know, there but, are some leagues that probably just dropped out and we're going to see some wacky ownership percentages, but. I mean, still. But that being said, I don't know why Joey Lucchese was ever seventy-one percent owned or sixty-three. Like it, he shouldn't have been sixty-three percent owned to start with. But Chris, he has a really unique changeup curveball pitch. I mean, that's really all he's got. Uh, that's a one-pitch pitcher for you, Joey Lucchese. All right, the third song that we wanted to feature here today from our uh, listeners that sent in for the podcast leagues. Here you go. We started with Scott White. Uh, Seems like a wise dude. Every pitcher in the draft, uh, he's trying to consume. He does a Michael Payne, but it takes too long. It gets a little awkward, but the effort's strong. Then you got Heath Cummins, and his voice is deep. On a mission trying to tell me Travis Shaw is deep. He's gone MIA since 2019, which is why I gotta get up in this league. So Adam is next. He doesn't act like the coolest. He's the former host, and he might be Jewish. He knows the numbers, but trusts his gut. He helps Frank keep it moving when the show. And speaking of Frank and his learning curve, if Jose Abreu sucks, he's gonna hit the curb. But his knowledge is key, his segue slick. I see my homie and I think this guy's legit. Chris Towers is back. I said to myself, I can't believe he's bald. I'm worried for his health. He's a pit boss first, Twitter star next. But if Mitch Keller's trash, he's getting a test. They got this league hyped up and they all around. I'm just trying to see if I can take these busters down. I write for Pitcher List, you know I ain't some other clown. Rolling up with Kevin Newman in the third. They've got pods on my phone. I hear the sounds of Scott White saying dinner and I'm breaking down. It'd be Kokomo Friday every day if you put me in the league with the chance to play. Zach Gallon in the clip, Lance Lynn in the hole, Mitch Keller getting stuck to pick 134. Scott White'll be yelling, but it's gonna be great. Van Burnett's coming in to set the record straight. Yeah, winner. Phenomenal. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Again, that was uh, Van Burnett who writes for Pitcher List. As you heard a few also, times there throughout the song. I think Mitch Keller went at pick 134 in our draft last night. Really? I'm trying to figure <laughs> I that out. I am not sharp enough to do the math on the spot. So if one of you guys want to do it. Second pick of round uh, 12? Uh, it was 139. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Very that, that didn't fit the rhyme though. So it's, it's close enough. I, I will take five <laughs> off to, to fit the rhyme. <laughs> That All right. was excellent. That Some was players very that are, good. Oh, it was phenomenal. Great job there. Uh, regulators for fantasy baseball today. Little applause there, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, trending up players. Scott, you wrote an article with some uh, 20 players who are trending up and down. And Aaron Judge, we spoke about him yesterday, uh, hit another home run yesterday, which came off of Vince Velasquez, who we will also mention here. Three homers in two days for Aaron Judge. Um, you know, I guess I need to change my tune a little bit. Adam, you got him in the sixth round last night. Sixth in round. Draft. It's, it's pretty oh, good, dude. So excited. In my home league, I think my dad took him in the fourth round. So shows you a little bit of a difference in leagues there. But um, I will just caution everybody. We're not out of the woods yet, all right, when it comes to Aaron Judge. I'm just, the guy has suffered a lot of muscle strains in the past, the oblique. I just think some of these players who are, frankly, just too big for their own good, are more prone to injury because they have 
muscles in places that we've never seen before from baseball players. <laughs> so, I mean, guys like Judge, Stanton, I mean, even Joey Gallo to an extent. I mean, that's why I personally uh, downgrade some of those guys. Yeah. So, Well, we're, we're never out of the woods with Aaron Judge from that perspective. But I think... I think just kind of inherent injury risk as opposed to a specific one with the rib, like we were talking about before, you know, six round is more than enough of a downgrade for that. Oh, you're right. And if he came to me, I had the first pick last night. If he came to me at the six, seven turn, I would have taken him. And that's with, you know, everything that I've said about Aaron judge uh, in this off season, Scott, someone you didn't have on, on this list of trending up players, but I think someone that we should mention uh, because I've seen some hype around him on Twitter, including myself. Uh, that is Lance McCullers, who is in line to be the second pitcher in the rotation for the Houston Astros. Zach Cranky's a little bit behind. Uh, last night, five innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, zero walks, six strikeouts. He had 14 swinging strikes on 76 pitches. He had at least four swinging strikes on each of his two-seamer, his curve, and his changeup. Scott, you and I both have him ranked inside of our top 45 starting pitchers for anyone who is still drafting over these next couple of days. Yeah, one of the toughest decisions I had to make last night in the draft, the podcast league draft, was Denelson Lamette versus Lance McCullers. I chose Denelson Lamette. I think I kind of regret it right now. I think I do. Uh, it's the... It's the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> I don't know that it, it exactly is, you know, this or the other there. I, I feel like McCullers has a higher floor. I feel like he has a better supporting cast. I feel like he has a longer track record. Maybe Lamette has a higher ceiling with all of those strikeouts, but you know, McCullers is a pretty high strikeout yeah. guy too. So yeah, I, th- I think I'd redo that if I could. Yeah. It's been weird that McCullers has been going after Lamette all off season when they, you know, have very similar profiles. They're, they're really essentially two pitch pitchers, or at least they have been, you know, McCullers has at least flashed a changeup mm-hmm. in the past in a way that Lamette hasn't. Lamette truly is a fastball and really just a slider guy. His fastball gets absolutely crushed. Um, I like McCullers a lot. I haven't drafted him all this year, though, and uh, I'm starting to worry I might regret that. The biggest reason I, I say McCullers has a higher floor is like – this is I wasn't paying as much attention to ground ball rates before he got hurt, I don't think, but like he is one yeah. of the very best at generating ground ball. Like the whole Astros pitching staff, except for Verlander, and I guess Urquidy. They have they have a lot of surprisingly high ground ball guys, and McCullers is one of them. Yeah, uh, look, if you could just get the walks down, I mean, the strikeouts have been phenomenal for McCullers in his career. Over 10K per nine. Uh, last time we saw him in 2018, he had a 3.86 ERA, a 1.17 whip. Again, I think, you know, potentially three-plus pitches here with the fastball, the curveball, uh, and then the changeup. That season, his changeup had a, uh, a fan graphs pitch value of 6.8, which is actually very good for only 128 innings pitched. So uh, I'm starting to get a little bit of FOMO here on Lance McCullers. McCullers and, and Luis Robert, those are the two that I am very, you know, regretful that I have zero shares of right now. Uh, Griffin Canning. Looked great against the Padres last night. I was watching him. Someone took him in the mock, in that draft last night, too. I was waiting to take him, I don't know, one of the last rounds. Like, oh, no one's going to take Griffin Canning. And then he got taken right from under my nose. Uh, six <laughs> innings pitched, three hits last night, two walks, five Ks, only eight swinging strikes. But, I mean, Scott, that type of efficiency, 76 pitches, six innings pitched. He's going deep into games. I'm, I'm kind of excited about Griffin Canning again. I, yeah, I, I I'm kind of there with you. Uh, still, don't feel like we can totally dismiss the elbow situation. It was so vague, and the Angels have a bad history of delaying Tommy John surgery for pitchers, and then inevitably happening. But with with him looking like he seems to be pitching well, that's you know as long as he's doing that, and the investment is basically nothing. Why not? I, I certainly liked Griffin Canning's upside before the elbow issue popped up. Had a great swinging strike rate as a rookie last year. And that is the single biggest, the single most important number to me, the single biggest skill indicator to me. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think you need to be drafting Canning in the late rounds again. I like the other guy who pitched in that game more. Oh, man. Garrett Richards? The other guy? Garrett Richards. Look, oh, he looked okay. pretty good, right. too. Yeah, five strikeouts and four and two-thirds, 79 pitches, so he's pretty much 
uh, where he needs to be. 10 swinging strikes on 79 pitches. The velocity's there. The slider got six whiffs on 33 pitches. Uh, Garrett Richards, don't overlook him as a late-round sleeper. Or, right, so how, how or much waiver fab, wire ad. How much fab for those guys? Uh, at least 70. Short <laughs> season, Adam. Can't hold anything back now. No, but I think uh, no, 20 is, in, is fine. Yeah, I'd throw – I would hope like 12 to 15, but if I had to go 20, if I really needed – to speculate on a starting pitcher. Like I've got some leagues we drafted really early. I had a lot of Luis Severino, Noah Syndergaard and Chris sale. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, no, the, the editorial points league, I believe I have Noah Syndergaard and Chris sale. Oh, in that league. yeah. Uh, the one thing so, I'll point out for Garrett Richards was that 72 of his 79 pitches last night came on just two pitches. So the cutter and the sliders. I don't know how long he can get away with you know, using those two. Maybe it was by design just for a summer camp start, but something to pay attention to. Uh, Vince Velasquez was very good yesterday against, the, uh, against your New York Yankees, Adam. Any interest in Vince Velasquez? Five innings pitched, one earned run, six strikeouts. Apparently, he's featuring a new cutter. 7% of my fab, I think, is reasonable. He has had a pretty lousy career as a starter, but yes, I did read Scott's write-up. This is a great, great column, by the way. It's hard to keep track of these summer camp performances, so check it out. Um, yes, the the new pitch really could change everything for a pitcher, and you know he's got some good stuff, so I'm definitely interested in Vince Velasquez. The problem with Vince Velasquez, I mean, one, is he everything sinkers yesterday, which, awesome, great, because the sinker has been just a disaster for him. The problem with him is that he's never really had like every one of his pitches is just kind of pretty good. And it has all added up to being a really bad pitcher. Um, but, you know, if he is ditching the sinker for the most part and, uh, you know, that harder cutter maybe can give him a different look. Um, you know, like baseball savant has him throwing 80 or 14 two seam fastballs yesterday, but. They were at 88 miles an hour. I'm pretty sure that's the new changeup that he's been throwing. Yeah, the, um, cu- the cutter is what I've seen it most often referred to, but it's, you know, the, the idea is to change up the speed of the fastball. So, oh, okay. I thought the cutter was the slider because that, that was actually, he was throwing that a little harder than the slider was last year. So, um, you know, I, I think he did add both. Maybe okay, I'm wrong. I'm you you might have, yeah, now you might have read confused. more, but the slider is about <laughs> two miles per hour harder than uh, it had been in the past. Yeah. And so my assumption was the sliders, the cutter, the two seed fastball. You know, this is the thing with early season and, and preseason pitch tracking stuff is it takes a while for these things to calibrate. And so the first couple of starts, you're going to see some weird things. The last song that I wanted to play here for you guys from our listener league submissions. We'll start right now. Baseball's back like before, watching games and following box scores. For the love of the game, we'll be playing fantasy again. Baseball's back, we're so glad. Let's not lose the special thing we have. Keep our eye on the ball. Let's wear our masks and keep our distance so we can play into the fall. Da 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 God, you like, are you glued to your chair? Move, dance. Terrific. Fantastic. I believe yes. that one came from uh, Holton Siegling. So shout out to Holton. Uh, Scott, is that a a Hamilton song? Correct me if it I'm. Is. Mistaken. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why you're going to me on that, but it is I, I, there was one day we connected earlier. You're like, "Hey, I watched you know Hamilton three times the first week it came out." I think that was you. Um, oh no, I just watched it once. Okay, but yes, I did watch I have, it the day. I have watched the day everybody else watched it. I have watched it twice since okay. it came out. Uh, yeah, I have not watched it, but hearing that song kind of makes me want to watch it. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, uh, Frank, it's you gotta watch it, man. 
you got to watch it. Uh, all right, we'll quickly mention a few of the players that are trending down. Mike Trout and Zach Wheeler, Scott, you mentioned um, because of the concerns over their wives, you know, giving birth throughout the course of the season. You're just seeing how long it's taking all these other players to return. So uh, there is some concern. And Adam, you got Mike Trout 10th overall last night. Quite the surprise. The question is, how much time would Mike Trout have to miss for him not to be a first round pick? If in order, in other words, if you drafted him, I said, okay, he's definitely going to miss three weeks. I, I mean, he's so much better oh, than everybody else, much. basically. No, I mean, I mean, right. Weeks. He's not going. Bro, to you're that. saying it would have to miss that much. Right. Even if he missed three weeks, I would have had a hard time passing him up at 10th overall. Well, especially no, that's a third of the season. No, that's because listen, it's and not only is it a third of the season, it's, it's like half the regular season almost, but in a three outfielder points league, you know, an outfielder is pretty easy to replace. Nobody can replace Mike Trout. But it's not like I'm getting crap on the waiver wire here. I'll, I'll get a good player to fill in for him. And if I can make the playoffs and have Mike Trout, I mean, he's just but in he his case, so much better. Yeah, you're, you're going to say it could be the playoffs? Yeah, his, his absence could come during the fantasy playoffs. I couldn't pass him up at 10. No, I, I, couldn't. Right. I don't think you have to justify Mike Trout at 10th. I thought that was – I was surprised to see him sliding so much. I have him fifth. I think it may be sixth in this format, but yeah, 10th is, I, I have yet to see him slide to the second round though. I know it's happened from talking to others in the ind- industry. They've seen it before, but that's to me inexcusable. I'm anticipating about a week that he misses. It might be more like five days. It might be more like nine days, but I'm, I'm anticipating a week. Yeah. I would take him sixth overall in a head-to-head points league. I would take him eighth overall in a Roto league to answer your question, Adam. I think if he missed anything more than, a week that would probably affect his ability to return first round value. I don't think so personally, because there will be other players in the first round who miss time for one reason or another, you know? So I I think anything more than two weeks, you could, you know, I could be argued out of the first round, but he is just, just too good. Mike Trout's really good. You heard it here first. (laughs) I'm so happy I have him. It is so fun to have Mike Trout on fantasy team. Walker Bueller. For me, now firmly behind uh, the top four in Roto. Again, that is Garrett Cole, DeGrom, Max Scherzer, and Justin Verlander. And in head-to-head points leagues, I dropped him behind Clevenger and Bieber as well, Scott. There is some concern about how many times through the rotation uh, it will take Bueller to get up to speed like everybody else. Yeah, it, it, there is. And uh, I, I would drop him behind Clevenger... And Bieber, and you said he went, yeah, he actually went after them yesterday. He still went early in the second round. I, okay, I took him. Yeah. It's well, such... no, I don't, I don't necessarily, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think you were wrong to take him. Like, it's just. What do you think about I, that I, start, I, though? Trout and Bueller, my first two picks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, here's my thinking. Here's my thinking, guys. Okay. Bueller, I think this is being overblown. Bueller threw 20 pitches on Friday, something like that. So. I don't see what like the first time he pitches four innings, maybe I don't see why he shouldn't be able to pitch six innings in his second outing. So I guess the way I'm thinking is like, maybe, maybe I will sit him for week one after that. That's yeah. two starts after the first week, which is 11 days for most, for most fantasy leagues after the first scoring period, I, I would feel like there is no way Walker Bueller would not be throwing six or more innings and being Walker Bueller unless he's just not right. But I've just, I don't know. I think this is being overblown. How long does it take to get a guy stretched out to pitch six innings? He's gonna... uh, well, I mean, the spring training is six weeks. And my understanding is Bueller was basically starting over. And if he was just throwing 20 pitches the other day. But summer uh, camp wasn't six weeks. I know it was only three weeks. That's what I'm saying. But everybody's like, I, in I would boat. not count on him for his first two starts. I'm not saying I absolutely wouldn't right, start that's, him. That's one scoring period. And I agree. So I think you sit him one scoring period. If you don't even have to, but but hold I, on, I, that's it. Hold on, he if he's one of the first four pitchers in their rotation, they start is, off against the Giants. You're I not going to start Walker Bueller. Go, I believe he's lining up to go fifth. Oh, so then he would go I against the Astros. Wrong. So that's not great. Um, well, that that might that might bleed into the second scoring period. But I, I'm starting him in the second scoring period. Uh, I assume he'll be a two star pitcher. Yeah. yeah, like it depends like, what scoring. Like the the default setting is the first weekend is the first scoring period, and so the first full week is the second scoring period. So he's pitching tomorrow. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday would be his 
sixth day or his fifth. Yeah, whatever. So they have an off day uh, Monday, which they're means... off Monday. So he probably won't pitch until that Tuesday, which is um, at Houston, which would line him up to pitch on Sunday. So twice in that second week, but the further you get pushed back in that first time through the rotation, the harder it is you it is going to be for you to get to 12 or 13 starts. You know, I, I actually went through and just kind of assumed every team's rotation, one through five, uh, assuming they would go four days of rest and skip the fourth and fifth starters to keep the first three guys. And for most teams, their fourth starter pitches 11 or 12 games, and the fifth starter pitches anywhere between eight and 11, depending on how aggressive they want to get with skipping them. Obviously, Walker Bueller is not going to be skipped, but when there's only 60 games on the schedule and you're lopping off the first four and he's pitching the fifth, that leaves you 55 games for him to pitch, you know, 12 times. That's cutting it really close. You know, yeah, that's I, a, I think that's a rain out pushes him back and he only makes 11 starts. And, and we're not sure that two of those starts, and frankly, it could be longer. It could be just one, like you're saying, Adam. I mean, you know, maybe they're, they're going to be extra aggressive and – He's going to be feeling great, and they let him go six that second time. Uh, but yeah, but I, I'm I'm planning I, I on sitting him. That. I'm planning on sitting him for that second time anyway, in all likelihood, because my my leagues, the way I'm seeing it play out, my leagues, I think I don't have their schedule in front of me. I'm assuming he will pitch twice in the first scoring period. I will probably not ha- not start him in that scoring period, and then. I have Walker yeah. Bueller after that. Well, that that's look, my thought. Relative to the rest of the pitcher class, I think you took him in the right spot. I don't I don't like the idea of taking Bueller early in the second round anymore, but that's just kind of the way this draft yeah. played out with the, the early run on starting pitchers. So his first start's gonna come at Houston. Right. Yeah. You gotta sit him. Probably gotta sit him at Arizona. And then he's home versus the Giants. That that helps. But you're I mean, probably if, starting if, him. If they if I'd say Chris, I mean if they're if they say he can go six innings, there will be no piggybacking at Arizona or on, almost anywhere. You don't, you know, you're sitting him, you're starting him, you're starting. Right. Him. If they say sure. that, yeah. <laughs> if they say that, yeah, yeah. You took him last night, Adam, just after Jack Flaherty, Shane Bieber, and Mike Clevenger went off the board. So yeah. that would be SP eight, I believe. Um, <laughs> That's right. insane. That's wild. Yeah, it's crazy how things have changed so quickly with Walker Bueller. Uh, the last news item that I just want to mention, trending down, the fall of Jordan. Sounds like the next Star Wars movie. Uh, he went with the pick <laughs> 78 in round seven last night. Scott, is that warranted? Jordan Alvarez, round seven. I guess. I guess. I mean, it could look great if he reports tomorrow. <laughs> like We just have no idea. We have no idea what kind of timetable we're looking at. And in a full-length season, that wouldn't even bother me so much. Mm-hmm. But because two weeks is like a quarter of the season, basically, uh, it's it's a real problem. I wanted to take him in round seven myself, but because of the pitching run, I couldn't. I had to reach for for Hyunjin Ryu instead. That's that's where we were in the starting pitcher <laughs> rankings in round seven. And that's why, that's why I'm dressed up. As, since I made a point to do it, I might as well point it out. I got my... My Blue Jays hat on. I got my uh, Ryu shirt on. Ryu Hayabusa from uh, Ninja Gaiden. Nice. Character Ryu. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if anybody heard me because I just moved the mic away. Ryu Hayabusa from the Ninja Gaiden series. Yeah. Um, this was my, my ode to my biggest reach of the draft last night. Hyunjin Ryu in round seven. There was no such thing as a reach in that draft. There was like, not. This is what happens the last like week before the season is ADP gets thrown out the window and you just take who you want. Like, I think I took Zach Allen in the seventh round. Like at some point pitchers were getting pushed up. There's no such thing as a reach in this league and this draft that we did last night. Chris, make that Zach Allen in the sixth round while you're at it. And I hated you for it because, of course, I wanted him on my team. I took Max Fried and Kenta Maeda at the sixth, seventh turn. So just to give you an idea of how many. I took the Cy Young winner in round eight. If Adam hadn't taken Aaron Judge in round six, Zach Allen might have been there for you. (laughs) I blame you, Adam. And I blame you, Chris. And I blame you, Scott. And for all three of them, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. 
There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.